Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories, and we tell stories about everything here on this show, from the arts to sports, and from business to history, and everything in between, including your stories. Send them. OurAmericanStories.com. That's OurAmericanStories.com. They're some of our favorites. And now our own Alex Cortez brings us the voice of someone who's worked at the highest levels of two radically different yet similar jobs. But you might not have expected it, giving this beginning, this very early start of his life. There was this lady named O.C. Pittsfield that was allowed to come into our home and she became the lady that cared for me and took care of me. Instead of the Stockton kid, Earl Smith's mom. As a result of that, I really bonded with uh, O.C. Pittsfield, who I call Grandmama. And she was like the protector for me. My dad worked three jobs and he was my best friend and he still is even though he's passed away. And in the midst of all of that, 
As I grew up, I felt a sense of rejection. Especially around a memory of when he was four years old and he was sitting with his mom and her friends and Earl noticed that the bottle for the newborn baby sitting on one of the ladies' laps was empty and being told, shut up, fool, for what he said. I said that baby ain't got no milk and, you know, being slapped, being embarrassed to the point that I wet my pants because the women and the women are laughing that I got slapped and I'm this little kid and I felt like, wow, it was a horrible feeling to be laughed at. I don't know what age people can go back and remember things from, but when you're four years old and you can remember an incident like that, that puts a print. It stamps something into your memory, into that memory bank that it just doesn't go away. And what I did not realize was my mom had her own stuff in her box and she was trying to deal with her stuff and I was part of the stuff that she wasn't quite sure how to maneuver through. A young lady in the South married to an older man, not of your own choice. And as a result of that, that guy is abusive to you. And so she ran away from him and she wasn't even 16 years old through all of this. And then she marries again. And she's married my dad. She has two daughters and a son, and things are okay. Then she's pregnant with me. You know, my mom, in actuality, in hindsight, had every reason in the world to be upset about this kid that shows up three and a half years after she finally quit having kids. She's in her early 20s and finally getting ready to have some kind of life after all these years, and the cycle is getting ready to repeat. She's going to have to take care of this child. Her freedom is gonna be hindered once again. It's almost like she's gonna be shackled once again. And I represented shackles, in my opinion, as I think back on it, I represented shackles to her. And if I, in fact, represented shackles to her, her response to who I was was justified. Because when you're oppressed or shackled, the one thing you wanna do is get out of the shackles or get away from the oppression. So my mom did not have the opportunity just to be a young girl, a, a young lady. I mean, only later did I find that out, but when you're a kid, you don't know that. You don't know what your parents have gone through, and here you are, and you're feeling total rejection because you're a kid, and all you want is to feel some kind of compassion, some kind of love, and you think you're not getting it, yet what I realized after the fact is she was giving me the best she had. And at least he had O.C. Until his mom decided that he wouldn't have her either. I love this lady beyond reason. And, and then one day I come home and she's not there. And, and I'm like, where is she? Put her out. What does that mean? What does that mean that she's not going to be here at night when I lay down? What does it mean that that lady who was my one safety net, what does it mean when they say that she's no longer gonna be available? You, you don't understand what that, you really have to understand what that lady meant to me. She, man, she was, she was my answer. 
She's not here and you and don't go look for her. What does that mean, don't go look for her? You know, if you lose a million dollars, you're going to look for it. And she was worth much more than a million dollars to me. So I found out where she lived. And the word was, if you go there and you find, if you don't come straight home from school, you know, you're going to get a spanking. So I weighed the two options. Be around her for a little while and feel the love that she had for me. And get a spanking or just come home and not get a spanking. I chose the spanking. I chose it. I fully understood when I got home, because I was coming home late, I was going to get a spanking. But I didn't care. And that's the other thing. You start as a kid to say, I don't care. And that can take you to some really dark places. It can really take you to dark places when you realize as a very young age, I don't care. We had a University Pacific that was in Stockton and we'd go over there and find a bike and ride home on it. <laughs> you know, and from the bicycle, you still a car because you could steal a bike, you could steal a car. Stabbed a guy that was actually a friend of mine at eight years old and just doing crazy things as a way basically to let this anger that I felt out. And I didn't understand it. Kids don't understand why they do what they do until later in life you find out, oh, that's what they call that. That's why you did that. And you're listening to Earl Smith and what a remarkable voice he has and straight as an arrow he's telling the story as he recalls it now and with real compassion when we come back we'll continue with earl smith's story and as always we cover these stories about love and the lack thereof because well it defines a life particularly love's absence earl smith's story continues here on our american stories Lee Habib here, the host of Our American Stories. Every day on this show, we're bringing inspiring stories from across this great country. Stories from our big cities and small towns. But we truly can't do this show without you. Our stories are free to listen to, but they're not free to make. If you love what you hear, go to OurAmericanStories.com and click the donate button. Give a little, give a lot. Go to OurAmericanStories.com and give. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. (laughs) 
Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. And we continue with our American stories and with Earl Smith's story. Feeling abandoned by his mom, Earl tried to fill this hole in his heart and fill it with crime. The other thing my dad did for me was he took me to a field one day. I must have been like eight or nine. And he takes his pistol out and he puts some stuff out and he starts shooting and hitting this stuff. He says, you want to try? And when I put that pistol in my hand, and I fired it. I cannot believe how that felt to me to fire that gun. And it was all, it, the, the addiction of the sound of a gun in my hand is something I have not forgotten even to this day. And it became a very bad thing that he considered to be a good thing he was doing, but it was a bad thing that I felt so great about the sound of that gun and it being in my hand because I was already, at eight or nine years old, I was already committed to being, doing aberrant things. I was already committed to being different than other people in my household. I was already committed. I did not have a problem with the streets. I didn't have a problem with crime at eight or nine years old. And the gun part was just power. I knew how to, I learned how to shoot a gun. I learned what it sounded like when I shot it, and for me, that was a power. So I'm not saying that it was wrong that he did it because he didn't understand what feeling that gave me the first time I did it. It's almost like if you use drugs, if you if you shoot dope, you're not gonna remember what it felt like. Everyone says, hey, you wanna get high. So you get high and the reason you become addicted is because you keep trying to chase the first high you had. And for me, my addiction was keeping keep chasing the feeling of the first time I fired that gun. I mean, one time a guy almost, my dad and I were in the street and this guy swerves his car like he's trying to hit us. My dad jumps out the way I grab and you know, it's like the guy is laughing and hooting and hollering as he goes down the street. My dad goes to get the gun. I take the gun from him and uh, I hide it again. Then I find the guy and we lived by the railroad tracks, and I just, I mean, I beat the guy, and I left him on the tracks to get hit by a train because of what he had done to my dad. And 
I kept the gun and I told everybody, I got this gun. If anybody moves them, I'm going to shoot you. Earl was also a gang member, a pretty big drug dealer around U.S. Route 99 and a college student. You know, part of the part of this 99 quarter deal is you go from Turlock all the way to Sacramento. And if you can have a drug trade through that whole quarter, back in the day, you're really being successful. We had an apartment in Turlock. We had one in Modesto. We had one in Stockton. And you had people that lived in Sacramento. And every weekend, we'd go to different cities for the parties. And we'd do all of that. But we developed this quarter. So Stanislaus State, San Joaquin Delta College, Sac City College. Uh, People were at different schools, and so everybody was really, really educated, really smart. It wasn't just that we were crazy people. It was we were, we were pretty smart, so we we're all in school, and we were all doing different things. I think all of us end up getting our degrees, at least on uh, bachelor degrees, and from there we, you know, some of us have uh, advanced degrees, but we were okay. But so it was almost like we were a group that did two things, and somewhere in the midst of that... Earl would visit his old nanny, who he considered a grandmother, O.C. The thing that was so great about this lady was that she never moved more than half a mile away from her house. She always found someone that would let her rent a room that she would be close by me. She was that person until... She went into the nursing home. She was still living that close to that house I grew up in when she finally was in the nursing home. And, you know, here's the deal. When you're when you're a criminal, when you're committing crime, you know, yeah, yeah. for me, I tell people all the time, you know, there's a difference in gang membership and gang banging. And gang banging is when you're actually in the process of the stuff. Membership is what you're a part of. And I could separate the two. I tell people, yes, I'm a gang member because that's what I was, that's what my commitment is. That doesn't change, I don't bang. So when I went to see my grandmother as a, when I was much younger, it didn't change that I was a part of a gang. I would always make sure I had a haircut. I'd always make sure that I looked presentable. And I would always make sure that when I went to see her, I planned to spend time with her and I would not be in a hurry to leave. I did not want to disrespect her so I may have done something the night before, but if I, it was always like, almost like a calendar. I knew when it was time to go see her, if I went more than two weeks, it was a problem. Sometimes the junk had to pause because she was still a priority. Because if, if she didn't know I was okay, it, it would trouble her beyond measure. And yet he put himself into situations that could trouble her. Well... I'd been off at the golf course of uh, 19 years old, and we were doing a big deal. So we went out to the golf course so we could sort of talk about it where no one, we knew no one was around because we knew we were being followed and watched. Uh, so my gun was in my golf bag. Other gun was over my bed. And so I... But the World Series is on, so I have to get home in time to watch the game. So I leave my clubs in the car and run in the house and I turn the TV on, knock on the door. Guy says, I came to pay you. He owed me some money and he was late. 
And so I put the word out. Whenever you see him, let him know that he owes me. He's late. And I got to deal with him. Once again, I knew the guy. I knew the kid. I, 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 I started him off selling. And now business dictated that because you didn't handle your part of it, I got to do something to you. And you know what that meant. So then he gets someone along with some other people and they convince this other person, okay, if you kill him, the problem will be solved. So this guy, Stevie comes, I don't even know the guy, never seen him before in my life, but he's with this guy that owed me the money. And they come in, I say, well, sit down because I'm watching a game and I needed to really process what I was gonna have. I had to do something. I sort of liked the guy, but I knew I had to do something because personally, I liked him. Business dictated I had to do something to him. And as I'm sitting there, he sort of makes a motion like he's pulling the trigger with a finger. And the guy he's with, while I'm watching the World Series, he just gets up and takes a gun and starts shooting me. And so no gun up under my uh, couch, no, no gun in the living room. Uh, so now I'm dodging, trying to dodge bullets. and. I grab a coffee table, the bullet goes through a coffee table, it hits me, and he has six bullets in the gun. He hits me all six times, I'm shot in my face, my neck, my shoulder, my back, because I'm sort of turning and spinning, and one bullet goes in and comes back out, so I have seven holes in me, and then he stands over me clicking the gun, and the guy that brought him there says, come on, let's go, he's done. And they walk away. And it doesn't get more compelling than this, folks. You're seeing it, you're feeling it, you're hearing it from Earl Smith. The consequence of many bad decisions and the consequence of the abandonment of love from a young man. And these are the things that happen. These are the stories that you hear here regularly. And we tell them not to depress you and not to do anything but ultimately inspire you. When we come back, you're going to hear the redemption story to follow. And it is remarkable because how one rises from this circumstance, my goodness, it's, there is no worse circumstance, perhaps, than the one this young man is facing. And by the way, the way he was able to separate his life out and go see Osi and just, just sort of man up and straighten up, but then right back to the pull of that life, the only life he knew, the only life that was organized around any kind of meaning, camaraderie or all the other things. We've heard countless times here stories from gang members who say that that's the love they did not get from their family. When we continue, Earl Smith's story here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we continue with our American stories and with gang member Earl Smith's story of finally being on the receiving end of gunfire. The other part that really was sort of weird, when you're on the other end of the gun, when you're firing it and you feel the vibration in your hand as you pull the trigger and the sound sort of travels through your hand, through your arm, up into your ears and into your heart. The sound of a gun when you shoot it actually almost, it, it, it seems like it, for me it was hitting my heart and it became part of that. But now, I'm getting shot, and I know exactly like how some people must have felt. When you get shot, it's just like you have a poker, a hot poker that's been sitting in fire that is poked into different parts of your body. And the only thing I kept thinking is, I need water, I'm hot, I'm burning up, I'm burning up, I need water, I need water. It was just like these hot pokers were like in my face. There were hot pokers where I'd been shot and in my neck. There's hot pokers and in my chest. There's hot, I'm just like, someone has taken a branding iron poker and poked it all the way into me. So it went through me and it stopped at a point and that point it stopped at, it's like I'm on fire. But I'm not on fire in one spot. I'm on fire in a lot of spots at the same time. And it, It's almost like you would take a flame and put it inside of someone's body and allow it to continue to burn. I mean, think about this. So the the police have me under surveillance. They're getting ready to bust me. So they're on a corner 
and I'm Mark Carr. These guys come in. I'm shot numerous times. My neighbor said they didn't know if it was firecrackers or what was going on. They could just hear bam, 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 bam. bam. And then they leave and they walk out. Still under surveillance on the corner over there. I get up. I knock on my neighbor's door and say, can you call the police? I've been shot. She starts screaming. She calls the police. They're there in no time at all because, you know, wow, of course they're going to be there in no time at all. They come in. They walk right past me. They don't say a word to me. They start going through my house. And then they leave. Another set comes in and the lady, Miss Lorraine, says, well, where's the ambulance? And I heard them tell her, lady, if you want an ambulance for him, you call him. They were so, and that's the thing that people don't understand. There comes a point when even the authorities get tired of you. They get tired of what you're getting away with. And at some point, they believe that death is the easiest thing to deal with because they no longer have to deal with a person like me. So she had to call the ambulance and I'm on this gurney and they, they, they make it real clear that, uh, I'm not going to make it. They make it very clear, and I just need to tell the police who shot me. I wasn't going to tell. I had no intention of telling. And Dr. Morris, he says, I don't know what's wrong with you people. Here was another person that was laying on a gurney in his emergency room, and the police were saying, tell us who did it. It was like, and it's, it's sort of crazy, but it's not crazy. I'd rather die, and at least they could say he didn't tell, Wow, man, what a great name. He went to the grave without telling. <laughs> what, kind, what kind of badge is that? What, what badge did you get for that? Uh, but when you grow up a certain way, that's what you believe. And me saying I'm going to die or whatever, here's the deal about that, that I tell people. I deserve to die. For what the things I was involved in, the things that I had done up to that point, I fully understood I deserved it. And I deserved what the doctor said. I deserved that. I deserved whatever would have taken place in that day. Because I had worked really hard to get to that point. My dad comes in. And he asks Dr. Morrissey, how bad is he? He says, he ain't, he's not going to make it. And my dad grabs him around the collar very gently. But he pulls him close to him. And he pulls him close to me. He says, Doc, you better do what you do best. And I'm going to go do what I do best. He left me on that gurney, but he left me to go pray. With the understanding that that doctor's job was to help me. If you think, you think about my dad having this significant name in the community. His dad was a union leader. Chief of police knows who he is. John McFall, who was majority whip in Congress back in those days, would come to the house and visit with my dad. And I called him Uncle John. And senators, Kranz and Hayakawa, they would come because they needed my dad's support for stuff. So he was significant. But when I got shot, my dad said, son, this is bad. We're going to make it. He said, son, you're a rebel, but you're God's rebel, and we're going to get through this. He didn't say you. He said we're. That was the love he had for me. He was wounded because I was wounded. And I wasn't going to get through it. We were going to get through it. That was the dad. That's my dad.
And in between those exits of the doctor going back wherever he went and my dad going to pray, and there I'm just laying, they're all, you know, I'm laying there waiting to die. That's what they're waiting on me to die. And then this voice says to me, you're not going to die. I have something for you to do. I start laughing. The something was be a chaplain at San Quentin. The prison that's home to the largest death row in America. That's what he told me. So I'm sort of shaking now, and they have these monitors on me. And the doctor comes in. I said, Doc, if I tell you where the bullets are, will it help? Now, remember, my dad's over there praying. He's nowhere at this point now. But he's praying. And the doctor says, no. I said, so I pointed at my nose. I said, it's it's right here. And the bleeding stops. And as I started to point to where the bullets were, the bleeding stopped. I believe the combination of that doctor leaving, the voice of the Lord telling me I'm not going to die, I have something for you to do, and my dad away praying. He had enough confidence in who God was that he could talk to God and trust that God was going to take care of this, his son that was a rebel. And that's, he, so he, he, he was not afraid to leave because he had confidence that God could do what he could only do best. And... Three days later, my dad picks me up from the hospital, you know, parks the car there, gets me in the car. And you think that was cool. My dad can go back to what he's doing. No, you know what my dad did every day after that? Till I got up and strong enough. My dad sat in a chair at the door of my bedroom. And every time I woke up, I saw my dad sitting there with his gun. Now, when I slept, I don't know what he did, but I can tell you this, when I was awoke, my dad would sit, uh, when I look, he would be in that chair. He was guarding me. He's making sure that this thing didn't happen again. And that was my dad. And after all the embarrassments I'd done, I was embarrassed. I did some crazy things and my dad kept loving me in spite of it. Kept loving me. And what a story you're hearing. I'm on fire like taking flames and putting them inside a body, he said, describing what it feels like to get shot. And he recalled being on that gurney, clearly not thinking he was going to make it. I deserve to die, he said. I deserved whatever would have taken place on that day. And there was his dad, a prayer warrior. When I got shot, dad said, we're going to make it. You're a rebel, but you're God's rebel. We're going to make it. And that we, folks, that we meant so much to this boy. I did some crazy things in my life, but my dad kept loving me in spite of it. When we come back, more of this remarkable story, Earl Smith's story, and my goodness, what every dad can learn, listening to this story as well, and mom. This is Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. And we continue with Our American Stories and with gang member Earl Smith's story. After being shot, Earl says he heard the voice of God and it led him to head to Bishop College in Dallas to study religion and become a prison chaplain. But his counselors there told him that this goal was unrealistic given his criminal background. So they advised him to take a job with the Boy Scouts of America. People that say, well, that God voice thing is crazy, it didn't happen. Let me, let, here's what I need them to understand. In October of 1975, God says to me, you're not going to die. You're going to be a chaplain in San Quentin Prison. I'll tell you how God works. I'm at a, I'm at a service club for Kiwanis. Um, Buzz Brewer, who worked for the Salvation Army as a, a correctional chaplain, he says, hey, didn't you say you wanted to be a, a prison chaplain? I said, yeah, you know how you do an introduction at the Kiwanis Club to tell who you are and what you're interested in. And he remembered that. He says, well, there's an opening in San Quentin. Uh, you should apply. He says, now, they said they're going to hire this other guy, but at least you could apply. And I said, okay. He comes back three weeks later and says, hey, did you ever apply? I said, nah, not yet. I'm going to get around to it. He says, I didn't think so. Here's the application. Fill it out. I fill the application out. I get a response from the state personnel board, and it says, Dear Reverend Smith, I'm sorry to inform you that you do not meet the minimum requirements for the position. I ball it up, throw the paper down, and the voice of the Lord says once again, call him and ask him what you need to do. It's a test. I unball the paper, 
I call this number on the paper. There's a silent voice on the other end. And then the lady says, Reverend Smith, we're very sorry. We sent you the wrong letter. You are qualified. Well, I was qualified at 75 the night I got shot. And he said, that's what I was going to do. I get the new letter. I go to the interview. The guy that they're going to hire says, are you here for San Quentin? I said, yeah. He says, well, you can forget it. They've already promised me the job. Well, here's the way it worked. He worked there for five and a half months on probation. And then they decided not to hire him. And when they decided not to hire him, they then called me and asked me, was I still interested? The guy that they decided not to hire became a volunteer that I trained and he became a phenomenal chaplain. And we both agreed it was not that he was not qualified to be a chaplain. He was just at a place that God had already reserved for me. So whatever you say about the voice, exactly what I told people God said is what happened. So if when you put it all together, wouldn't you believe that God, you'd have to believe that voice too, wouldn't you? And when I'm hired to go to work there, I remember walking into the chapel and I look around as I'm walking in, I see a guy making a drug transaction over by the bathroom. I see something else taking place. And then I realize, thank you, God, this is where I need to be because everything I saw, I could understand. So I started going out and talking to guys. I talk, I had no problem talking to gang leaders. That was the, that was the training I had. And, you know, then that December of my first year there, I'm still six months in. I still haven't done my six months probation. I'm giving out Christmas cards and on my unit. And I'm giving these Christmas cards out. And I saw a guy once when he shot me. I saw him once in court. I didn't testify against him because I wanted to kill him. And I want, but I needed him on the street. And the third time I see this guy in my entire life, he's now on the second tier of North Block in San Quentin. And no one knows he's the guy that shot me. And I don't know that he's there till I'm giving out Christmas cards. And I remember... And I'm only telling the story because it's part of what God can do in bringing things to pass and making clarity out of rough situations. You think that you're okay. You think that God has really gotten you smooth. I'm a chaplain now. What? So what if I was a drug dealer? So what if I'm a gang member? So what if I've done all that other stuff? God has blessed me beyond measure. Then all of a sudden, here's what happens. I see this guy. And when I see this guy, I realized I really had not forgiven him. I was angry. I looked at him. He jumped away from the bars. He said, hey, man, uh, I got shot too because I knew that a guy knew shot him. The guy that shot him recently died in prison. He was doing a life sentence. So he gets away from the bars. I keep on giving out these Christmas cards. And I'm crying now because I realize I really have not forgiven this guy. And now he's in a situation, all I need to do is tell somebody from home, that's the guy that shot me. And it's a done deal. And I was thinking, God, why would you make me feel I was okay? That everything was all right to get me to this point. Now I'm going to have him killed. I mean, you think about this. You learn about all these things if you go to college or seminary and forgiveness is this and you release it, you forgive and you forgive. How many times you heard forgive and forget? Well, it sounds good. But when you're confronted by that thing that's caused you harm or pain, 
is when you realize, do you forgive? And even when in the midst of your forgiveness, have you really forgotten? For me, it was not only had I not forgiven, but it was forgetting about it was far removed because when I saw him, I realized that he had got away with doing something to me that I had not retaliated for. And I'm a chaplain and I'm thinking like that. And I'm like thinking, God, why did you let me get here to think like this? That was the kind of thinking, thinking that I had when I was in the world. And here I was thinking that same way as soon as I saw him. And it, it was it was a very scary moment for me. And that's why I just cried. I was just like, what is going on? Why would you let this guy be here? Why would you allow me to be confronted with him knowing that I really had not forgiven? Why would you make me think I forgave him? You ever have a conversation with God where you're trying to rationalize what you're dealing with and and, and it's almost like you're angry with God because you can't understand why God would make you feel like you were further along than you really are. And you're troubled by the fact that you're not as far along as you thought you were. And that's when I saw that guy, that's where I was. But the thing that's so great about God is he takes you to the end and calls you to have to pass over that thing to get back off. Sometimes you get to the end and to get away, you have to go back or pass the thing that you crossed over on the journey. And as I go back in front of this guy, I look at him and I said, I need to say something to you. And he's, he's terrified basically. I said, I need to thank you because God used you to get to be. And I don't even know where those words came from. I left there. I went to my chapel. I sat down in my chair in my office and I just started crying. Well, I, what I didn't know is he wrote a letter to the warden and says, you got to get me out of this prison. The chaplain's going to have me killed. So they called me in for an investigation. They said, do you know this guy? I said, yeah, I just realized he's here. Well, he wrote this letter saying you're going to have him killed. And I said, and it was George Jackson, who was the associate warden that was over. That was my boss. And I said, Mr. Jackson, I'll tell you this. Right now, today. This is the safest place that guy will ever be because he's not a threat to me. The only thing I want him to know is who Jesus is. And he looks at me. Remember, I'm on probation. They could have did me like they did Leonard and just say, OK, go home. We're not going to hire you. But you know what they did? This is the week of Christmas. They put him in a special transport and sent him to another prison so I could stay there. Now, what if I would have had any other reaction other than the one I had when I encountered him. And I believe that was another test because from there, God just, he did so many amazing things at that prison, amazing things. But what happens with that test? If I say, well, you know what? I'm going to have my people get to you. I'm going to have my people do this to you or something like that. What if I did that? But instead, I said what God had placed on my heart to say to him. And I believe that was the reason why I was able to stay at San Quentin, because I, I passed that test. And you're listening to Earl Smith's story and those words he heard on October of 1975. God says to me, you're not going to die. You're going to be a chaplain at San Quentin Prison. And it happened. By the way, there's so much more to Earl Smith's story that you can read about in his powerful book titled, 
Death Row Chaplain, Unbelievable True Stories from America's Most Notorious Prison. Get it at Amazon.com today. And at the very beginning of the story, we teased that Earl worked at the highest levels of two radically different and yet similar jobs, one as a chaplain for St. Quentin's prisoners and the other as the chaplain for millionaire athletes. Or was the chaplain for the San Francisco Giants, and he is still the chaplain for the Golden State Warriors and the 49ers. But millionaire athletes and prisoners often come from the very same neighborhoods and are dealing with the very same human brokenness that affect us all. Earl Smith's story, here on Our American Story. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.